Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Support for MPB comes from University of Mississippi School of Education, offering online master's degrees in elementary education, higher education, and early childhood education. Your master's degree can be earned online in as little as one to two years. More information at education.olemiss.edu. Good morning. It's 8.30. I'm Karen Brown, and this is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. On today's show, bringing high-speed Internet access to rural areas of the state. Well, the fact is the market has failed uh, rural parts of Mississippi. If you don't believe it, go to a gravel road and see how many of those folks are getting high-speed service. So one of the things you do is, you, in my opinion, you piggyback on infrastructure that's being built now for smart meter, uh, smart grid technology. Then, getting small businesses in Mississippi the capital they need to grow. Later, a StoryCorps conversation from Mississippi on making a difference in the Magnolia State and a plan to expand after-school care across the state. That's all coming up. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. The chairman of the State Public Service Commission says he is pushing for more access to high-speed Internet in rural areas of the state. Democrat Brandon Presley represents the Northern District on the PSC. He says in order for Mississippi to compete in today's economy, homes and businesses in the mostly rural state need to have complete access to information and the global economy. And he says that means Internet access. Presley tells MPB's Paul Boger the current lack of access is hurting the state. There is a crisis in rural Mississippi, and it's a crisis of a lack of service. Um, too many rural areas lack high-speed Internet service, and uh, it is the electricity of the 21st century, so I want us to be committed to getting that uh, service expanded to rural areas and making sure we wire our state uh, for the future. Secondly is, uh, how can we make sure that in the, la- in the last three years, over $6 billion, $6 billion worth of Operation and maintenance costs alone have been spent by Mississippi investor-owned public utilities. How do we ensure that more Mississippi contractors and more Mississippi workers are benefiting from those contracts? So we're going to look at a higher Mississippi rule, and that is to say, all right, if you're a company and you derive all your revenue from Mississippians, how well are you doing hiring our people? How well are you doing hiring our contractors to do uh, the work? And uh, to actually issue a report card saying, here's what this looks like, and here's how good a company has done. I feel like those are manners in which can really help a lot of people in our state who have not been able to participate and have not been able to maybe get uh, business and work that are going to out-of-state companies. So that's something I want to look at for the upcoming year. And, you know, how do you expand something like Wi-Fi or, or Internet service in general, high-speed Internet, into uh, into rural areas where there may not just may not be that infrastructure? Well, the fact is the market has failed uh, rural parts of Mississippi. If you don't believe it, go to a gravel road and see how many of those folks are getting high-speed service. So one of the things you do is, you, in my opinion, you piggyback on infrastructure that's being built now for smart meter, uh, smart grid technology. Uh, and if power companies are stringing fiber optic cable, uh, they should be able, we should be able to use that.
that, we're, we're economical to uh, use excess capacity to provide Internet service. So that's one way in which, you know, you could look at a lot of people who have, a, if you have electricity, it would increase your chances of having high-speed Internet service by just at no additional cost, just piggybacking on infrastructure that's going to be built. We've got to look at this problem from a holistic view uh, with the goal being uh, wiring our state for the future. And also in the same terms, you know, how do you get more utility companies to hire more Mississippians to do this clearing and grubbing like you talked about? You know, I think the first thing you do is you, you, you start grading the projects and you look and see, you know, under this project it was approved, did they in fact try to hire Mississippi contractors? And if they didn't hire them, why did they not hire them? Uh, and then we look at how are we getting that done? And so I think that's, a, to me, uh, starting out with publication and a, and a report card is a good first step. Talked about it a few minutes ago, but got to talk a little bit about Kemper. Once again, the Mississippi Power has delayed the uh, full operation of the plant. It's getting more expensive. What are your thoughts? Well, you know, I think that, that uh, uh, this is a this is a, obviously issues that the power company uh, said that they could build the plant at a certain price have not been able to. Uh, that's not the fault of the customers of Mississippi Power Company. And so we will look, you know, at, if and when the plant gets up and running at the levels in which they said it would, the commission at that time will look at a rate case based on that, but not until then. Uh, I don't think we should be looking at at all uh, any type of rate increase until this plant can be proven to, in fact, operate at the level in which they said it could be, and I don't know when that will be. You know, is there any penalties at this point for the, the commission can impose to, on Mississippi Power if they this never happens? Well, as it stands today, you know, we're not allowing anything. There's been no ratepayer dollars committed to it, so they're having to eat this at this point until such time they get it up and going, and we'll look at it then. But what's the next step for them? Uh, they got, you know, they've got to get it up and operational. That's that's that burdens on them. MPB's Paul Boger with Public Service Commission Chairman Brandon Presley on bringing internet access to the state's rural areas. Up next, getting small businesses in Mississippi the capital they need to grow. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. Podcasts of your favorite MPB Think Radio programs are available now. With any podcast app, you can search, subscribe, and never miss a second of MPB Think Radio. Kara Miller. Every week on Innovation Hub, I talk with the thinkers, researchers, and visionaries who are crafting our future. Tune in to hear conversations about how tribalism shapes us, what new research on obesity reveals, how chicken changed America, and why math class should be reinvented. Coming Sunday, January 8th at noon, hear Innovation Hub on MPB Think Radio. I'm Jeremy Hobson. President-elect Donald Trump will meet with the country's top tech leaders this week, including Apple's Tim Cook, Amazon's Jeff Bezos, and others. It wasn't too long ago that Trump was calling for an Apple boycott and attacking Amazon for dodging taxes. High tech under Donald Trump. That's next time on Here and Now. Today at noon on MPB Think Radio. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Karen Brown. Lending to small businesses increased in 2016. That's according to the Small Business Administration. In Mississippi, 464 loans totaling $147 million were approved. Janita Stewart is the SBA Mississippi District Director, and she tells MPB's Mark Rigsby most of the loans went to startup businesses. 
On a national level, the uh, the agency um, approved 70,000 loans for about $28.9 billion to small businesses throughout this country. And that served to create and retain, you know, about 694,000 jobs. So that's a lot of jobs, a lot of loans to small businesses throughout the country. Uh, here in Mississippi, uh, we approved 464 loans to small businesses in our state for about $147.2 million. And so, you know, this financial assistance that uh, went to small businesses and entrepreneurs uh, throughout our state, you know, really goes a long way to help small businesses start to help them grow and to succeed. When does the SBA step in and provide these loans? As long as there is funding provided, which is authorized by Congress and the president. So that's that's all year long. Uh, generally, we, we, you know, we operate on a federal fiscal year basis, which starts on October the 1st of the year, which, for example, October the 1st, 2016, began our federal fiscal year 2017, and that would go through September 30th, 2017. So really all, all year long. In those 464 loans you just spoke of that were approved here in Mississippi, Are these the kind of loans where people are starting their own businesses, they're trying to expand existing businesses? I also know that the SBA can come in after, let's say, a natural disaster and provide some business assistance to uh, small business owners as well. What are you seeing with the, the loans that were given out this year? Actually, it's a combination of the first two that you mentioned. Um, Those loans uh, went to businesses that were starting up, you know, interested in seed capital to to get their businesses going. And it also, um, you know, some of those loans went to existing businesses so that, you know, to help them get to the next level. So really, we broke it down. And when we looked at it, there was 265 of those 474 loans that went to actually new start businesses. So 58% of uh, the loans that were approved in fiscal 2016 in Mississippi went to startup. And so the remaining uh, went to existing businesses. So, you know, it's sort of a combination of, of the two. On the disaster side, which is a totally separate program, which gets funding uh, from a different source, those are direct loans that are made by the SBA to individuals, to homeowners, to renters, to businesses of all sizes, and also to nonprofit organizations to really help them recover from those federally declared disasters. So that that's a totally separate program. And actually, the disaster program is the only direct loan program that the SBA has. On the other side, the 464 loans that were approved last fiscal year, those were done in conjunction with our lending institutions that are in and out of state. There are bank and non-bank lending institutions and certified development companies that we work with to actually provide the funding to those startup businesses and existing businesses with the SBA's backing. MPB's Mark Rigsby with Janita Stewart of the Small Business Administration on the agency's activity in Mississippi this year. Up next, a StoryCorps conversation from Mississippi on making a difference in the Magnolia State. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. MPB Radio's local programs are available now as podcasts. Sure, you love your MPB mobile app. It streams your favorite program anytime you like. But when streaming's not the thing, say, in flight or driving on the Natchez Trace, download your favorite podcast and you've got it in your pocket. Available on iTunes or on any podcast app. Grab your local MPB podcast now. 
Your home for the arts and music is MPB Music Radio. From classical to bluegrass and everything in between, MPB Music Radio has a sound for every ear. For information on where to find MPB Music Radio, visit mpbonline.org. I'm Jeremy Hobson. President-elect Donald Trump will meet with the country's top tech leaders this week, including Apple's Tim Cook, Amazon's Jeff Bezos, and others. It wasn't too long ago that Trump was calling for an Apple boycott and attacking Amazon for dodging taxes. High tech under Donald Trump. That's next time on Here and Now. Today at noon on MPB Think Radio. When George and Carol Penick visited the StoryCorps mobile booth in Jackson, they came to share stories of their nonprofit work, their family, the adoption of their children. They also shared stories of how they first came to live in Mississippi, even though they slightly disagreed about exactly how that story unfolds. I remember in high school asking myself what I wanted to do in life, and my answer was that I wanted to make a difference. And there was nothing about the for-profit motivation that that excited me. You know, it just it just I didn't want to be a successful person and die a multimillionaire, and that was it. I wanted I wanted my life to have made a difference with people, and I was very lucky. I had experiences and in, with internships where I was able to try different things and see different things. I heard an expression the other day. I'd never heard this before. At nighttime, when you're driving, you can only see as far as your headlights. But that will get you across the country if you hmm. keep traveling that way. No time, you know, when I asked you to marry me, and I didn't have a grand plan of what I wanted to be, you know, 20 years later or when I grew up. I feel like I've always been in a job that I loved and got a lot out of and was rewarding and, and just motivating. And I had responsibility and I was, it was a unique organization. And when other opportunities came along, it was just like, okay, well, what about this, you know? And we would talk about it. You know this, but I'll say it for the recording. When I was running the biggest foundation in Florida, we had hundreds of millions of dollars. We're giving away a lot of money. And I came home one night and said, what do you think about moving to Mississippi, you know? And uh, a new foundation, and they don't have any money. And and I remember we, and there was so many unknowns, so many unknowns. There was no assurance at all that this was going to work, that, you know, lots of unknowns. And, and yet, you know, we did it, and it's all worked out. And, and I just always felt like that's the way life is. You do what you're doing with integrity and sincerity and energy, and if something else comes along that might seem better, then you, you give it a good look and... Well, I don't remember that um, moving to Mississippi quite exactly like you did. <laughs> I remember laying in bed one night, lights were off, and we're laying there on our backs, and you said, this man from Mississippi called me today and asked me if I would talk to him about coming to Mississippi and running a foundation. I think he was maybe the, he had been the governor of Mississippi or something like that, and I lay there and my stomach went into a knot. I mean, I'm from Alabama. Why did I think Mississippi would be a bad thing? So I said, what did you say to him? And you said, I told him no. I told him I'm, we're settled. We're in a good place. Our children are young. We're staying in Florida. And so I breathed a sigh of relief. And then about two weeks later, laying in the same bed on our backs, lights are off. And you said, 
You know, that man from Mississippi called me again, and turns out his name is Governor Winter, and he asked if I would help him find the right person. I lay there, and I thought, oh, my goodness, we're moving to Mississippi. Sure enough, we did, and it was just such a great move for both of us. There, there has never been a time when either one of us said, George, we, we got this, yeah. this isn't working. And yeah. It really has it's been a wonderful exp- exploration. Yeah. Mm. I'm thinking about some of those times in our lives that have been kind of important turning points. Of course, getting married was one. Then another one was 10 years later when we adopted our children. It was a very painful time when we couldn't get pre- when I couldn't get pregnant. We thought we were not going to be parents. We both had grown up in big families, and we wanted to be parents, and it was tough. I thought it was a very tough time. It was one of the saddest times, I think, in our lives. Then we decided that if we weren't going to have children the regular way that we would adopt, and uh, we were in North Carolina, and the Children's Home Society of North Carolina is so wonderful. I know that one of my best memories about that time was when we were given 24 hours notice that there was a baby for us. We went to Greensboro and we were filling out paperwork and hearing the family history and all those things. We could hear our baby, who turned out to be Holiday, and we went in there to see her. Even though it brings tears to my eyes now, they're really tears of joy, but I will say that the minute I looked at her, all that pain went away. I can remember it, but I cannot feel it anymore. To hear more of our conversation from the StoryCorps mobile tour, go to mpbonline.org. The StoryCorps mobile tour visited Mississippi through a partnership with the Mississippi Humanities Council, the MPB Foundation, and Mississippi Public Broadcasting. As you watch a presidential transition, NPR News will be here with the facts to help you make sense of new appointments, new policies, and all the day's news. Listen every day. Do you have kids? Chances are good that you've embarrassed them. Those new dance moves you were practicing with their friends came over, driving them to school in that old car. Hi, I'm Kai Rizdahl, the host of Marketplace, and I don't want you to give up your groove, but might I suggest donating that old car to this station? You'll save your kids some embarrassment, and if you upgrade to a newer model, you could be the coolest parents ever. Go to mpbonline.org and find the contribution link on our homepage. We appreciate your support of our programs. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Karen Brown. In Mississippi, 17% of school children are responsible for taking care of themselves after school, and 16% are in after-school programs. That's according to the After School Alliance. But many advocates think more affordable after-school care in the state could drive those participation numbers up. To help explore that possibility, Operation Shoestring, a Jackson-based nonprofit, has been awarded a $225,000 grant from the Charles Stewart Mott Foundation to help coordinate a statewide after-school network in Mississippi. We spoke with Robert Langford, executive director of Operation Shoestring. He says Mississippi is the last state in the country to launch this effort. This grant actually helps 
spring online, a statewide after-school network. And uh, Mississippi is the last state to have a, a statewide kind of effort that's coordinated and, and I think well-articulated to help make what we call out-of-school time programming. That's after-school during the school year and that summer program. It's evenings and weekends year-round um, happen. And we're really excited about that. This is $225,000 from the Charles Stewart Mott Foundation. And it's over how many years? It's a three-year grant. And we are trying to leverage local resources to help expand not just that you know amount of money in support of the after-school network, but really expand the vision of the network. How do you expand? What do you, what do you do with this money, and how do you get those programs started? Sure. Well, there's sort of three broad goals for this initiative right now. This is near term, and and one is to really to identify and map out out-of-school uh, time programs throughout the state of Mississippi, and there are lots of those, both kind of formal ones connected to schools and other ones that may be operating in churches and and all that kind of thing. And so we want to try to kind of map out all of those throughout the state. Now, would this, excuse me, were they were the programs, some of which you said kind of exist in mm-hmm. different venues? Oh, yeah. Will they go under the umbrella of Operation Shoestring? No, 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 no. We are we are really just the fiscal agent for this grant, and we have been um, running after-school programs for um, nearly half a century. And so that's really how we got connected to the Mott Foundation and to, to other folks who really had similar priorities to figure out how to really, I guess, maximize the opportunity that existed there. Because there are after-school programs. There are lots of ones that are connected to schools. There are, again, ones that are happening in churches and community centers and wives and boys and girls clubs throughout the state. We want to figure out how to make sure all of those are providing the best quality product for our kids, families, and communities. So you are involved. Will you decide how, how to allocate the money and to um, whom? Well, it really is just it's sort of paying for meeting. Uh, it's not going to provide direct services. It's really about building the capacity um, so that throughout the state we can make sure that we're growing the delivery of good services. Services. We're first step, and there's sort of the three goals. One is to identify what are the programs throughout the state. The second one is uh, to um, make sure that we've got sort of you know governance. We've got a real network and happening, and, and that's uh, uh, all rolling out now. And the the, the third specific thing is to uh, focus on quality standards. We want to make sure that whatever we're doing for kids um, uh, after school and during the summer is as uh, of as good quality as possible. Um, so we will be working with a whole bunch of other um, stakeholders, and that includes uh, the State Department of Ed. Um, it includes the Barksdale Reading Institute. It includes um, the Children's Defense Fund. It includes folks from the Girl Scouts and, and you know, um, smaller service providers. We hope the faith-based community all to figure out um, what quality standards look like, as well as um, figuring out who are those folks throughout the state uh, who want to be part of this. How many entities would you say there are that are providing after-school or summer programming? The data tell us there are more than 200,000 students in the state of Mississippi that are in after school. And and um, so we know that a lot of those are connected to ones that are done through schools. And there are also a lot of other ones, and there's very little information uh, sort of data But it might include that. like boys and girls clubs and, and scouting? Sure, if, if it's happening sort of after, every day. after school. Yeah, so okay. it doesn't have to be happening every day. And one of the great things is that after school can look a whole lot of different ways, right? Some can be very focused on on academics, and that's kind of one of the things that we work on at Operation Shoestring. 
could be very focused on leadership development, could be very focused on the arts. And so w- what we want to do is really honor what it works for, you know, an organization and community and school um, and help them just be the best they can be. Because the Department of Education is involved, will there be a shared vision among all of these programs? I, I think I, absolutely. I mean, that would be the goal, right? We want to make sure that we're all, we've all got uh, the same North Star, if you will, and we're all moving towards that direction. And that's part of the great opportunity that's before us, is to make sure we have articulated that shared vision and what it is. And, and, you know, the Department of Ed is obviously a a big stakeholder, but so are the service providers and, you know, in the Delta and in East Mississippi and other places and, and here in Jackson and wherever else. So, you know, ideally it's to deliver the best product, maximize the resources that do exist, uh, both state resources and federal resources, but also maybe those resources in local communities that aren't fully realized and, and aligned and used perhaps as effectively um, as they as they could be. Robert Langford is the executive director of Operation Shoestring. Thanks for coming in. Oh, it's an honor to be here. Thank you, Karen. Coming up after Mississippi Edition, it's Money Talks in Legal Terms and Southern Remedy. And remember, if you want to catch the show outside the broadcast, just search for Mississippi Edition in your favorite podcasting app and listen whenever you like. I'm Karen Brown. Join us again tomorrow morning at 830 for the next Mississippi Edition. It's only on MPB Think Radio. Support for MPB comes from the University of Mississippi School of Education, offering online master's degrees in elementary education, higher education, and early childhood education. Your master's degree can be earned online in as little as one to two years. More information at education.olemiss.edu. It's Marketplace Tech for.